Hey, it's Sean Fennessy. We've got something special cooking on the Prestige TV podcast. I'll be recapping one of my favorite shows, HBO's Barry, every Sunday night with the writer-director star of the show, the great Bill Hader. We'll talk about the show's wild twists and turns, its special brand of dark comedy, and how it all came together. So on Sunday nights, immediately after a new episode airs, you can hear Bill and I break it all down on the Prestige TV pod. Subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is presented by Walmart Plus. Walmart Plus is the membership that helps you save on things you expect, plus the things you don't, like free delivery from your store with no markups, gas savings, and even a free Paramount Plus subscription. Start your free 30-day trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus Essential Plan Only, separate registration required, $35 order minimum. See walmart.com slash plus for details. Nathan, we've got to start using Apple Cash. Uh, okay. Why? It's so easy and convenient. Apple Cash lives in messages where you and I text all the time. We do. All right. So I can pay you in the convos we're already having, like I do when I bribe you to say nice things about my favorite Taylor Swift songs. You'll never forget a payment or have the money just sitting somewhere collecting dust. You do owe me money from the last time we saw those Taylor and Travis picks, so that is nice. (laughs) And once I've done that, you can use that cash right away. You can buy stuff at a store with Apple Pay. So I don't have to do all the bank transfer stuff then? Nope. It's just right there. It's easy, convenient, and secure. Wait, did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? See how easy that was? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hello and welcome to every single album, Harry Styles, right? Harry Styles, the One Direction diaspora has begun. Nathan Hubbard, what what are we calling this? It's a big Harry day. He's about to headline Coachella. We're recording on the Friday before the first Coachella. This is a big Harry day. Big Harry. Every day is a big Harry day. We've got our wide-legged pants and our feather boas and we're ready to go. In this moment, he's not particularly hairy, though, because he's cut his hair, hasn't he? Yeah, it's, again, you know a lot when someone makes a big hair decision. like you got bangs. (laughs) Nora's on to you, Harry. I just know that there's a lot, lot going on, a lot of thoughts, a lot of feelings that go into a major hair decision, like our guy, Harold. I like, I know that. In the there UK, Harry is not short for Harold, but I love to call him Harold because James Corden sometimes calls him Harold, and I, I find it just like immensely charming. Harold, yeah, <laughs> how are you feeling about all this? I'm actually fine. Okay. <laughs> Do you think there were squirrels in his hair when he cut it? I think that there's like a, a something small, lived in there. Small group of very charming, like forest mice. <laughs> That all have just a wonderful, peaceful, sweet residence situation and in not and anymore. Harry's head. Yeah. It's gone. It is gone. All right. So we are going to talk today about Harry Styles' debut solo album called Harry Styles. Released in May of 2017, fresh off the haircut, squirrels have been banished. And it's funny, there's so much that we can talk about with Harry that to me feels almost like 
just cosmic destiny of stardom because he's just such an incredible artist, but also just such an incredible public figure, such an incredible sort of presenter of no pun intended style and art. And he gives incredible quotes and he wears incredible clothes. And there's a lot to Harry that just feels like, yes, this was a person destined for these huge, big things and and for stardom, both as a musician, but also just as a guy. Yeah. But I would posit that in May 2017, that's a little bit more of a precarious thing than it seems like it would have been in hindsight, just because it's hard to go solo. Going solo is this sort of treacherous thing, particularly for people who leave the sometimes difficult, but also sometimes incubating confines of a very successful band. Wait, are you talking about Tom Brady again? <laughs> no, absolutely not. But is like, I guess writer, Cosmic Nora? Destiny. No, no. Okay. okay. Spent too much of my life talking about Tom Brady. That is for sure. It's true, though. I mean, it's hard to get out. That said, there is usually one person who makes it out. And if we were gonna bet when this thing starts, you'd probably put your money down on Harry. I mean, Nick Lachey, if you can say that he made it. Nick Lachey made it out of 98 Degrees. Obviously, it was Timberlake out of NSYNC. Nick Carter sort of made it out of the Backstreet Boys. Nobody really made it out of New Kids on the Block except Donnie Wahlberg's brother. So maybe there was a trampoline effect. I mean, Victoria Beckham made it out of Spice Girls, right? What is Victoria Beckham famous for? Victoria Beckham is famous for not smiling ever. Did anybody make it out of Little Mix or Danity Kane? Not really. So many Danity Kane references on this show. Totally. (laughs) How did this happen? Beyonce makes it out of Destiny's Child. All the single ladies, all the single ladies. Right. Like Michael Jackson made it out of the Jackson 5. Janet made it out of the Jackson 5. She wasn't even in the band. <laughs> Janet gets the gets the the Marky Mark Wahlberg trampoline effect. Well, then it's hard. Then then the Timberlake incident is kind of, or that's maybe unfair to Justin Timberlake, but the Super Bowl incident is kind of like post group member on kind of post group member crime. Yeah, it is. It, 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 and it was crime. I mean, what's going to be interesting is whether anybody can make it out of the BTS crew. And yeah. Again, as we have alluded to, the entire structure of that band is very different. Uh, The the Hybe machine handles their business very differently. But you could still see, I mean, the V. Olivia Rodrigo Grammy moment was for real. Yeah. So you could see it coming here. But it's hard. And to your point that sometimes nobody makes it out. And it wasn't altogether clear how he was going to put this out. I mean, if we look at the albums that came out, this is like 
whatever, the ninth best-selling album of 2017, everything else was your buddy Ed Sheeran was number one with Divide. I'm in love with the shape of you. We push and pull like a magnet do. Your other buddy Taylor Swift's reputation. Oh, look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. Pink's beautiful trauma. What about us? What about all the times you said you were the answer? Rag and Bone Man's human. I'm only human after all. Don't put your blame on me. Oh my gosh. I can you believe it? Which, by the way, outsold Sam Smith. How it too good a goodbye. Outsold U2 songs of experience. Outsold Kendrick Lamar's Damn. Outsold Eminem's Revival. Harry was ninth, and Bruno Mars's 24K Magic was 10th. So that said, in hindsight, this album kind of fit and snuggled nicely in that top 10 in this spot of what, at least for me, was a much more stripped down chill album than I might have expected coming out of the One Direction years. And it has its own spot in that list of albums that were selling well, which is kind of the same move that One Direction made in 2012 when they started putting out these guitar rock albums that that kind of weren't being done by anybody else. Yeah, some of it is a real some of it is a real zig in the other direction and some of it is like straight out of the one direction playbook, right? Because even in the ways where it's very different from what Harry was doing as a member of the band in that it is much more stripped, it sounds, you know, so many of these songs it sounds like you're hearing them live. Yeah. It's less poppy, it's less polished. At the same time, all of that is taking from these classic rock influences that more and more as the guys made their own imprint on the music that they were making as part of One Direction was pushing One Direction towards that stuff. And doing it in the way that Harry did where there's, it's more acoustic, it's more stripped down, it's a little bit more like confessional first person. Some of that is inevitable, right? You go from having to put five perspectives or just one very generalized perspective into songs to one person's lived experiences, I think you are pretty much automatically going to get more authentic storytelling of somebody's life, somebody's feelings, somebody's processing of emotions and and experiences. Mm -hmm. But it's just funny to me how like one of the things you see when artists who've been in in successful bands go solo. And this is something that even Harry's talked about is like, there's this often this push to say, well, that wasn't the real me. And I'm going to do this thing. That's so much more sort of real and down to earth. And he has some of that sound. He goes in that direction to a degree in the sound that he uses at the same time. He himself says up and down, like, no, that that was me. That was an authentic experience that I had and enjoyed and was putting myself into. And you can see how it's sort of a continuation of the rockier stuff that they were doing more and more of as the albums went on. The other piece of that is you said, okay, usually there's one guy who makes it out of the band. And Harry had from the beginning been 
kind of tapped as that guy or assumed to be that guy. Because I would say, at least early on, he's just so darn charismatic. Yeah. But by the time this comes out, Zayn has made a real successful musical statement as someone who has something very different to offer than what was being offered through One Direction. Yes. Zayn has taken the playbook of that wasn't the real me, hashtag real music. This is right. the real me. And the album's gone to number one. Right. And the album's really good. The album is a successful player in contemporary pop in that we're, moment. We're going to talk about it, people. Don't worry. Okay. I'm just, on, I'm just on, excited. On another pod. Yes. So you can kind of go down the checklist of like how to leave a boy band 101. Sure. And Harry does a lot of it, right? There's much more explicit sex, drugs, and rock and roll here than for sure there ever was regardless of some of the rowdiness of certain one direction songs that's definitely core to that playbook at the same time he is playing one direction songs on tour he talks about his experiences right. in the band super super fondly yes And it all adds up to, I would argue, this pretty deft move to maintain the fan relationships that he already had, but also establish himself as an individual and as a solo yeah. artist and and carry on the identity that he already had, but move on it in ways that were true to him, but also set him apart from what he'd been up to. I think there was a lot of the Justin Timberlake playbook in what they did in that they didn't reject the past. They were very comfortable going out, playing some of those old songs, especially early on when, you know, as he would say on stage, I only have 10 songs, so we're going to play some old stuff too. <laughs> and creating like a really safe on-ramp from the old career to the new one. And I think to a certain extent, he leaned into some of those influences, to your point, that had percolated through some of the One Direction albums, but he really even turns back the clock a little bit more on this album, doesn't he? We we got used to hearing yeah. a lot of 80s rock on the One Direction stuff. Harry worships at the altar of the 60s and 70s. Yeah. And so many of the choices that he makes on this album and in his fashion sense and in the things that, and even the people that he associates himself with seem to be rooted in his fandom of 60s and 70s singer-songwriter and rock. And that runs through, I mean, he does this Jamaica retreat, right? He gets paired up with Jeff Basker, who's a produced superstar producer. There are still some little vestiges of, of Julian Bonetta and John Ryan on this album, but it's Jeff yep. Basker and team who he pairs with to start doing all this writing. Jeff Basker done Jay-Z's Run This Town and Kanye's All the Lights and Fun's We Are Young and Mark Ronson's Uptown Funk. So this guy's got a very established track record of, of hit Jeff making. Jeff Basker, by the way, talk about mice living in your hair. Yeah. 
they Jeff probably Jeff Basker's hair is like nine feet that. long. Yeah, they're really a rodent sanctuary between the two of them at their peak. If those guys don't <laughs> shower for five days, you got to start setting traps. But eh, they go off to Jamaica and Apple follows them there, I guess, to sort of document the making of this album. I kind of wanted to see if I could write something that people liked without knowing everything about me. But Harry really goes on like a yoga retreat. This is his first vacation in five years since he left the bakery. And he's got some downtime. And he uses it to woodshed with these guys and come up with this album that, to your point, I think just did the right job of not getting too far away. It's a rock album. But boy, is it different. And uh, he managed to make that leap musically in the, in the same way, you know, that, that he was able to use his words to, to keep the connection with the fan base and not sort of reject out of hand what he'd done in one direction. Yeah. Well, so he, t- and he, he does take a little bit of a vacation. He takes some time off for the first time since the bakery. And then they go to Jamaica and by the time this album comes out and he goes on tour, like he gets back on an absolute role. A heater. By 2018, he is the face of Gucci. He's been in Dunkirk. He's writing more of his own songs, but he's also continuing to write songs for others. Was he, he writes, good in Dunkirk, in yeah. your opinion? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Have you noticed he hasn't said a word? Because I have. He doesn't speak English. If he does this with an accent, thick in his sauerkraut sauce. Better than Joe Alwyn? As an actor? Joel Alwyn is a working actor? I don't know. No, who knows? Never. No one knows. He's an actor? Taylor Swift's kept man? is He's, he's in things? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. We love Joe. It's just that lightly bullying Joel Alwyn it's a bit. is it's a running bit. my favorite pastime. So can't give it up. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but no, I think he's good in Dunkirk. And I think he's good. I, I like Alfie's song. which is a bleacher song that he and Jack Antonoff wrote together for the movie Love, Simon. So he goes and takes a break and then he takes this opportunity to do what he never got the chance to do as part of One Direction, which was just focus on one thing at one time because they were always making the albums while they were on tour. It was always, okay, we'll go do one song at a time because we can just get some studio time on this date in between this show and this show. And... Let's just get little snippets here and there. Instead, he decides we're going to Jamaica. We're not going to see anybody but each other. And we're just going to go to to songwriting camp, essentially. Yeah. And all of that, I think, as we talk about sort of which moves Harry makes are in the lineage of One Direction and which sort of separate him from his past, that choice I think was the direct result of, okay, we never got a chance to work like this. We never got a chance right. to just woodshed together. And that would be a really, really exciting and, and valuable experience, which it seems like he ended up just absolutely loving. And this album is sort of the product of that. Yeah. He made a couple of choices 
about the business side of this album that unsurprisingly are deeply connected to the music that came out of it. The first is he left Modest Management, still has a good relationship with them, but left. Niall stays with Modest, but Harry goes on to his friend Jeffrey Azoff at Full Stop Management. Jeffrey Azoff is the son of Irving Azoff, who is a legend in the music business. He was... Uh, he really came up managing the Eagles. He also managed Fleetwood Mac and is very much in Camp Stevie. And Harry's obsession with Fleetwood Mac is very clear. You will never love me again. I can still hear you saying you would never break the chain. Irving managed many, many of his heroes. Jeffrey is his son. Jeffrey's a wonderful guy. It really starts as a friendship, but it's 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 Jeffrey who starts to guide this career. This is a different artist than really Irving or or Jeffrey had ever worked with before. I mean, this is an actor. This is a brand. This is a musician. This is a fashion icon. For a very brief period of time, this is a TV producer for a shitty CBS show called Happy Together. You know what it's like. Got it, love you. You've just settled down in front of the telly. When a world-famous pop star bloke turns up on your doorstep. That's Cooper James. Sorry to budge in on you, but paparazzi are after you. Is it at all possible that I crash here till it all dies down? What could possibly go wrong? But that all being fueled by the band that was made by the internet actually requires a new kind of management. And there's this interesting evolution from what Irving was and still is amazing at, which is being just a eternal hardcore defender of his acts. Don Henley said about Irving Azoff, like, he may be the devil, but he's our devil. To Jeffrey, who sort of was next generation thinking about what it's going to require to manage an artist like this going forward, who can't just make music, who's going to be creating through the visual medium, creating through products, creating through all of these other avenues and sort of brand extensions off the music. So there is that business decision that he makes that clearly is part of worshiping at the altar of Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac. And then they record this thing at the village in Los Angeles, which is this old Masonic temple in Santa Monica, not far from where I live. I've been to that studio a million times. It is one of the coolest places you'll ever go. And guess what? Fleetwood Mac has a studio there. They recorded (laughs) Tusk in that place and like each of them had their own separated room so that they wouldn't fight and couldn't throw things at each other and Stevie has the big vocal booth. There are all these catacombs everywhere. It's almost like, I don't know, the magic castle for music or something in LA. It's a total, it just has an energy that's incredible and it's not surprising that he chose to record in that place, at that space, because that was the energy and the the influence that was flowing through him that, to your point, wasn't too far afield. The apple had not fallen too far from the tree of what they were doing with One Direction, but this music was more rooted in some stuff that came even earlier. One of my favorite things about Harry Styles is that he's just such a fan of stuff. Yeah. Like, he loves Sleetwood Mac so much. And he has a lot of opportunities that most people who also love Fleetwood Mac just wouldn't have, right? Because right. they don't need to go into a recording studio and make an album. Right. And I really have always appreciated about him that he just has 
the energy and, and the wherewithal and the enduring excitement to be like, holy crap, I can go do this. So I'm going to do it in the place that my heroes did it. And I'm so excited about it. And I just think that's very charming. Yeah. You mentioned Jeffrey Azoff, who was very nervous when a helicopter pulled Harry Styles 1,500 feet up in the air to film the Sign of the Times music video, Mm. which I think is the biggest hit on this album. What say you, Nathan? I don't think there's any doubt. It's streamed twice as much as anything else. It was ubiquitous as it came out for a while. It is also Bowie's Space Oddity. This is ground control to Major Tom. You really made the grade. There is also lots of Bowie in his fashion that gets injected here. It has, look, it it was released on the 30th anniversary of Prince's Sign of the Times, from which it seems to borrow, certainly, uh, words. But it's not a Prince song by any stretch of the imagination. It does have that sort of lingering piano at the end that is very reminiscent of Purple Rain. That outro feels super purple rainish to me. That they then use again. There you go. Only Angel. There you go. It debuts at number four, so it's a big song, but I. This is just my own personal thing. I just remember hearing it and being completely confused because it didn't feel like a single to me. It felt like a long sort of drawn out, you know, like an odyssey more than a single. It it just was an interesting choice for the first time you're going to put yourself out there. Now, I guess in hindsight, Nora, it had the effect of saying, well, this is something different. But how did you react? Similarly, in that it is not poppy, right? This is not a radio play, but it's epic. That's the thing about this song is that it's just epic. It's somehow a statement and you might not even really be sure what the statement is, but you're pretty convinced, I would argue, by the end of hearing this song that this is an artist with a plan who has something that he really wants to say to you. So you might not react to this song as I want to stream this eight bajillion times in a row, even though it's done very, very well in streaming. Yeah. But you're really interested. You're really interested to hear what this person has to offer. And if that was the impulse here, I kind of get it. The other thing is, if this wasn't going to be the lead single... And I think part of why they did that is, sure, they announced it on the anniversary of the Prince album. They also wanted to be able to do it on SNL, I think. And 
he had a really good vocal performance that night. And I think this song allowed him to kind of show off that way. So I wonder if that had something to do with it. Does it get you in your feelings though? It does. It so it doesn't yes. for me. It does. It doesn't. It so it doesn't get me in my like super emotional melancholy feelings, right? Like okay. Harry has this backstory for this song where it's sort of this message of a mother has been told that her child is is going to be born and is going to make it, but she's going to die. And what world is? she putting a child into, and it's all very dramatic and very like, again, epic. I don't feel the sadness of that, but I feel the bigness of it Hmm. from this song. If that makes sense. Well, I have to say that for a while, I thought it might be a miss because it just felt, Look, and the, and the critical reception at the time still felt rooted in a lot of the critique of One Direction albums. And this gave some red meat to those critics who wanted to say, up, oh, they're lifting Bowie. They're lifting Space Oddity. Again, here we go. Instead of doing it from the 80s, they're doing it from the 70s. And yeah, 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 he sings really well. And yeah, you know, he is a star, I guess. But uh, you know, at some point we need to hear something real and new from them. But there were a few responses, like Rolling Stone calls him the ultimate fusion of Mick Jagger's yin. And Paul McCartney's yang. To the point where encountering them at peak strength in the same star can get bewildering. And so there's some people who are onto what's happening here and jumping over the continual bits of lifting that seem to happen in some of the work that they make. It didn't bother you? The Bowie stuff didn't bother you here? It's not that... So, I'm trying to be honest I don't think his exactly fan base how I knew felt Bowie. in the moment. I don't so think I his think fan that's base true, understood and I think that music. I think that's also true of the stuff that we talk about with One Direction. There was definitely a critical mass of stuff, both from One Direction and then when Harry comes out, and this is the first thing that he has to offer, where you'd reached a threshold of, man, a lot of this stuff is referential at best right, to old stuff. Yeah. The thing that I found, I guess, more confusing than anything else, but a little bit validating of those choices was how much he did present himself as kind of a student of the game, right? Like you knew how obsessed he was with those old rockers. You knew that he was taking a lot of Bowie influence, both in the music, but also in fashion and in self-presentation. And the announcement on the anniversary of the Prince album doesn't feel like an accident at all. Right. He does a pretty good Mick Jagger on SNL. Uh, next up, we got rock and roll legend Mick Jagger. Uh, hello, there, Steve. A uh, lovely show. Uh, it's a bit fun in it. Uh, <laughs> he, he does, does a, a good Mick Jagger every night. He's on stage. Yeah, fair, very fair. Because he has reps. So it rolls through him. It didn't feel like he was trying to pull the wool over people's eyes in terms of what the references were. 
Yeah. It it didn't feel like he was trying to say, hey, here's my totally new thing that you've never heard before. And people were saying, oh, wait, actually, I feel like that's not true. We have heard this before. Right. It seemed like he was saying, I am just obsessed with this stuff. And it is the thrill of a lifetime that I get to give it my own go. And that sometimes verged into territory that was a little bit weird because it it was a lift. Yeah. But I think that's less straightforwardly like you're just poaching other people's stuff and trying to take the credit for it. Yeah. Than it would have been if it weren't so obvious how much he did study and, and care and felt influenced and inspired by a lot of the stuff that he was taking from. Yeah. Look, as a point of comparison, this song endures in ways that Timberlake's Like I Love You definitely does not. And, you know, listen, Timberlake has had a massive career and and would be, you know, Harry, Harry still has some targets to hit there if he wants to sort of exceed that career. But it was maybe a better choice. I just remember, like, I love you when it came out, you were like, what is, like, I think he's dancing on stage at the MTV Video Awards and there's a huge boombox in the background and you're just like, dude, this sounds like bastardized Michael Jackson and it's just not very good and catchy. At least here... There's a grandiose nature of the song in the same way there's that sort of grandiose nature of the video. So, you know, kudos to Jeffrey and to Harry and whoever else was helping make these decisions because it worked. How do you feel about the video? There's a little bit of messianic complex in every great star. That's how (laughs) I feel about the video. So I think it's cool. I have to be honest. Anytime I see someone flying around like that in a music video, all I can think of is, where's your broomstick, Harry Potter? Yeah. Like, there's something about it that looks really dorky. And yeah. I know, like, it was supposed to be so cool. And holy crap, if someone strapped me to a helicopter and pulled me 1,500 feet up in the air, I just wouldn't. But But there's something about the way your body hangs when you're attached to a helicopter that it wouldn't do gravity wouldn't work those bits if you weren't strapped to a helicopter and you were actually flying. So there is some, this ain't real, that happens. Yeah. It's funny, though. I believe Harry Styles could fly. I think if he really set his mind to it, he could do it. All right. Is this the best song on the album? No. Okay. Can I, before I reveal, can I ask you one more question? Of course. If Sign of the Times hadn't been the lead single, do you think there, this just isn't an album that has a lot of quote unquote lead singles on it. Like what would you have gone with? Yeah, that's, I think, the right question to ask because unless you're going to lead with a ballad, uh, is it only Angel? Is it your favorite Kiwi? If you lead with woman... Can you imagine if he'd led with Kiwi? Would have been uh, you, so funny. Yes. I mean, you only have 10 choices. So like, if you lead with woman, you're definitely going to get shit for the Elton John, Benny, and the Jets. Right. Woman. 
if you lead with only Angel, you're going to get shit for it being a blend of Rolling Stone songs and the electric light orchestra Don't Bring Me Down. So you're a little trapped, I think, in what you can bring out here. And that starts to, I think, probably help you understand why they picked this one. Yeah, I I think it was, I think it was the right call. I also, maybe this is giving too much credit, but I think it was the right foot to get off on for someone who was I think relishing the opportunity to kind of play the long game. Yeah. He already had celebrity. He already had fans, right? Like he, if this wasn't going to work, he was at least determined to kind of do it on his own terms, do stuff that sounded like what he loves, what he's always loved, make the music that he wanted to make, make it in the way that he wanted to make and see where that went. And I think this feels like the right choice. If those are the stated goals. Yeah, and this album, again, is remarkably chill. And so using this song to sort of take it down a notch is not a bad idea. It's it's way more chill than I think most people expected. So not coming out with a rager, which you're used to, the first One Direction song is always a rager. It's a bop, it's a bouncer. And this one, I think, just threw people off. And that's probably why it got our attention. But what's the best song on this album? Also a very chill tune. Sweet Creature is my favorite yes. song. But oh, sweet creature, sweet creature, wherever I go. Yes, it is. It's just the best. The vocal is just spectacular. Harry has this high range at this point, which is simultaneously so delicate, but also has this real rasp to it. It just knocks my socks clean off. And I think the melody is so lovely. He's such a melodic writer. A lot of his songs, I think something that ties a lot of them together when they're especially successful is just a real attention to how a melody is going to grab you. This one just blows me away. I could listen to this song every day for the rest of my life. Yeah, I, I think it is the best song on the album. I totally agree with you. It's also the one that you can't like immediately put your finger on and say, this is the roots of that song. And it, it just strips back and shows his voice and all its glory. Is it about something? I think it's about... Is this a trick question? Do you know something that I don't? Because I'm asking I was going to say that I think... I think that this is about the warmth of Harry Styles. Now I run out of You bring me home. And just the sunshine that radiates from somewhere within this person who has, it seems like, deep love for a lot of people and a lot of, I love him. Listen to you. (laughs) Wow. This isn't good. Sunshine that he did. (laughs) We're half an hour into this podcast. Guess who's in the bag for Harry? Wow. No comment. I thought it was Liam. Good lord. I thought it was Niall. 
<laughs> Unbelievable. They're just they're just such wonderful young men. Uh, radiation. Talk to me more about the sunshine and warmth that radiates. Okay, why don't you why styles. don't you talk to me more about our favorite song? I think you're right. There's not much more to say. It's a beautiful ballad. It can be played. It's one of those songs that doesn't for me. If I listen to a good song too often, my ear gets sore and I can't hear it anymore. Right. Like I feel that way about <sighs> a number of U2 songs. I don't feel that way about With or Without You. With without you. Every breath you take never hurts my ears. Every breath you take and every move you make. This song I can just keep listening to and it doesn't, it, it just never hurts to hear it. I never sort of wear it out. It's definitely the best song on the album. I'm not sure that it's particularly close, actually. Do you have any other contenders? I Look, I really like a lot of the ballads. I mean, I, Two Ghosts is nice, but I think I'm too far up inside it. We're not who we used to be. We're just two ghosts standing in the place of you and me. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure. I, I I think Meet Me in the Hallway is a great opening song. I just left your bedroom. Give me some more. It is Ramble On. Leaves are falling all around. Time I was on my way. Major Zeppelin guitar vibes with the higher bass notes coming at the end of the phrase. But I, I, I enjoy the song. I mean, there is not... When we get to what song are you cut, like, we're going to have a lot to talk about here. I, I think From the Dining Table is probably the one for me that comes really close. Now, I have a massive bias, which is that I am a huge Jeff Buckley fan. Like, we made an album and hired Jeff Buckley's drummer to play on it because I love him that much. And that song has serious Jeff Buckley vocal vibes. Like compare the the vocal in the chorus and verse of Dining Table to the the, the verse of Lover You Should Have Come Over. We haven't spoke since you went away. Comfortable silence is so overrated. Broken down and hungry for your love. No way to feed it. And you can hear where it's coming from. It's different, but there are some beautiful similarities there. So I think I'm not so sure whether I'm just being drawn into, oh, maybe this is like a Jeff Buckley back from the dead, like working his way through Harry Styles to, to give us another song. Uh, but I think that's the one for me. Is there anything for you that comes close? Well, so I don't know that you and I have ever been in quite as lockstep on an album that we've talked about as it seems like we actually are on this one. Because Here we go. It is very clearly Sweet Creature for me, but Two Ghosts and From the Dining Table are the other contenders. There's, yeah. a, there's a clear step down, but Two Ghosts, it's just the melody and I think the lyrics are great. It, it really grabs me. It's one that I can listen to a lot without my ear getting tired at all. Tongue tied like I've never known 
telling those stories we already told. Do you hear the Allman Brothers, Melissa? Great train. Each car looks the same. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then from the dining table, that one to me is the writing. You like that the masturbation song. piece. <laughs> Thank you, Nathan. Kind of a big moment. Woke up alone in this hotel room. Played with myself. Where were you? Kind of a big moment. You know what? Yes. I, I yes, say it I with do. respect. I say yeah. it with respect as well. No, I like I it too. Because how often did we feel like we listen to a whole One Direction album, absolutely love it, have so much fun, get so much in terms of feeling and joy and excitement and just great. You could always tell what the vibe was, right? But there was very little clear detail that allowed us to get to know these guys in yeah. those songs. Yes. And, and, and a lot of the romance stuff was like high school gym Girls on one side, guys on the other, like horn, as we would say often, horn doggery. There's something very like mature and adult about the sexuality in this song. And it's really, it just seems really honest. I believe every word, it seems incredibly yes. true. It seems incredibly lived and vulnerable mm -hmm. in a way where it's just compelling to see someone at this point in their career say, okay, I'm going to experiment with sharing with my audience the story of a moment and an experience that really affected me where I didn't feel so great. And it works in a way where you feel like you're inside of that. And I think that's both super impressive and also kind of a watershed moment in his career. So I really love that song. I think just as a song, it's very good, but I also really, really appreciate it for its function in, in doing that. Mm. Enough said. Can I rant for a sec? Uh, yes, please, Nora. You know I love when you do. Pay apps are way too public. Uh-oh. What happened? Okay, so some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history who I'm paying. Full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it is super weird. Well, how are you going to pay your friends then? I'm asking for a friend. Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So we're kind of in, we're, we are thinking very similarly here. I wonder if that will hold when we do have to cut something, shoot something into the atmosphere. Take it out back and <laughs> send grandpa with the gun. 
There's only 10 songs on this album. It's hard. Grandpa, go home. Yeah, Grandpa, maybe bury it, but we have to do it. That's part of the fun of the game. I mean, I want to hear from you. What What are you going to take out? I think, well, now listen. Do you have any you, guesses? I, well, I want you to clarify your comments from an earlier episode of Every Single Album, One Direction, in which you made some sort of compare and contrast between Nana. We're like Nana, Nana. Is it nah. na 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 na? Three na's. I, I put it all out of my head, and you said something about kiwi. It's getting lazy. I think I'm losing it. I think I'm losing it. Oh, I think she said I'm having your baby. I want to give you the floor to clarify what you were actually trying to say. It may only be me who is confused, but it's our podcast, so I'm asking you to do it. You said, I, I'm trying to remember your exact words, but I when said, you were nah, talking nah, nah, about sucks. Nah, 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 but you also said that it was like crotch grabby. It or was something. crotch thrust. It was, it's a crotch thruster. Crotch thrusty. I guess it's better to be crotch thrusty than crotch grabby. That's a little invasive. Um, Kiwi shares okay. that vibe, I allege. It I mean, also shares the fact that I think certain songs that are over the top can be great when they are live, as I believe Kiwi is a song that is amazing live and meant to be performed live. And that is sometimes limited in its efficacy if it is, say, being broadcast into my ears by my headphones if I'm going to get a matcha. Yeah. I don't know if I need the cocaine snorting noises in the background and I'm having your baby screamed over and over when I'm going to get a matcha. It's Her- a little too much. <laughs> that is all that I am saying. Harry's accidental pregnancy song in the key of the black keys <laughs> isn't necessarily for you. I mean, this it's thing is in the... It's just not for like a Tuesday at 11 o'clock, you know? Yeah, I get it. I mean, look, it's in the same key as Howlin' For You by the Black Keys. Little girl's got a hold on me like glue. Baby, I'm howling for you. It ends up being sonically more of a bit of a mashup of Gold on the Ceiling and Lonely Boy, but this one feels like they just picked up the Black Keys album in Jamaica had some things that you do when you're in Jamaica and recorded this thing. Yeah, I don't think Harry has quite like gotten into mushrooms yet, but who's to say? <laughs> I'm not saying it didn't happen down there. We don't know. We don't know. Who's to say? He's who's with some professionals. What, what Jeff Basker has hiding yeah, between hiding foot two and foot three of his hair. Yeah, for sure. Is this about anything, Kiwi? Oh, good God. No, I, it, it's about being a rock star. Okay. Are, are, it's are just you... a vibe. I okay. mean, it's just a vibe. It's, it's about cocaine. You don't think there's like a unknown <sighs> child of styles somewhere? I, I don't, but maybe okay. I'm wrong. Maybe I'm okay. really naive here. I'm just wondering if like Putin's got kids all over Western Europe at this point that nobody, that nobody acknowledges. To do with our Lord and Savior Harry Styles. Well, you know, he's just a big figure who probably has the resources to hide the baby. That's all I'm saying. Oh my okay. goodness. 
All right, you're I'm saying like no. I'm more mad at you than over the dick in the box incident now. You're, <laughs> you're saying no. What else might you cut? So, the song that musically I can actually part with on this album is Woman. Here's the problem. This song could basically be the Applebee's jingle, like repeated four times over and over again. Okay. And I would still want it to exist for its acknowledgement of how much Harry Styles loves romantic comedies. Should we just search romantic comedies on Netflix and then see what we find? Oh, it's the so, original Netflix and chill, isn't it? it? The intro? Yeah, like, just the fact that in the intro, he talks about how much he loves to just hang out and watch a rom-com. Yeah, It's very important, and we can't get rid of it, even though, like, musically, it doesn't do a lot for me. Well, it's it's Elton John's Benny and the Jets. Yeah, but not as fun. Okay. But Netflix and chilling is fun. And that's what he leads the entire song with. And well, that's like, what I'm saying. He's making the duck noises after every verse. Selfish, I know. That are actually just his voice with a little bit of treatment on it. But it sounds like a duck. It just doesn't do it for you. That's fine. Yeah, it just doesn't do it for me. But like, you know what? You know what did do it for me was what? when was when Harry quoted when Harry met Sally at the 2014 AMAs. We're the oh, worst 10 minutes kind. Each on hair. Yeah. We're high maintenance, but we think we- we're low maintenance. Yeah. Love Actually is his favorite movie. He has a nickname for Nicholas Sparks. You think he's into Valentine's Day the same way you are? You oh love my God, that totally. Movie. That's why he wanted to, you know, go out with Taylor. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. So musically, that's the one that you shoot into space. Is there something, and, and you want to shoot Kiwi lyrically into space? No, I don't want to do anything with Kiwi. I just want to occasionally turn it off if it's a Tuesday morning. Yeah, I have... Kiwi stays. Kiwi has to stay. And if okay. I had been at the show where he closed by playing it three times in a row because he didn't want the tour to end... I would be talking about it for the rest of my life. I would think it was the coolest thing on planet Earth. I think that song is in some ways just this incredible artifact. It's just sometimes like I just too much cocaine. Yeah. Well, there's another song in this album that's about cocaine, potentially, which is Carolina. Gets into parties without invitations. How could you ever turn and it's really about a fan named Towns, right? But there's also some suggestion that it too is about cocaine. Do you think all that was hiding in Basker's hair? Like, what's going on? But this this song, like <laughs> you shake him, there's just like white yeah, powder. Just, that he just it's it's like you think it's floor. you think it's a Head and Shoulders commercial, but no. This is He's, a joke. If Jeff Basker's lawyers are listening to this, yeah, it's a drug mule, but. uh Carolina has like Steeler's wheel stuck in the middle with you vibes for sure. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair and I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. And then it tries to give us a little of Beck's devil's haircut. Who 
pistols are pointing at a poor man's pocket Smiling eyes ripping out of the sockets And then, speaking of cocaine, at the end, it gives us that Robin Thicke, Blurred Lines, good girl part. This song, I enjoy. Do you enjoy the song? I love it. I love the stock pot. I met her once and wrote a song about her. I want to scream, yeah, I want to shout it out. Okay. Where they're just like wailing on the stock pot from the kitchen and the, and the place in Jamaica where they were all staying. It's great. <laughs> the stock pot. I don't, need, yeah. I don't need any more cowbell. I need more stock pot. No, but... By the way, you get a lot of cowbell in Only Angel. True. I mean, you get all the cowbell in Only Angel. Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. What it leaves for me, and I, I don't like to say this out loud, but I guess we're doing it. I think if I had to grandpa one song, I'd grandpa ever since New York. Oh, tell me something I don't already know. Like this oh, is, I know. And the it makes me sad too, because it, it, we think this is about his stepfather, Robin Twist, who got a cancer diagnosis while Harry was in New York. And, and this it is like that Eagle-ish, e- Eagles song on the last 1D album, What a Feeling, for me. Like, mm-hmm. kind of crossed with filters, take a picture. It's not that I don't like the song. Let me be clear. It's just if I have to drop one and still feel like the album flows, it's probably Ever Since New York, and it doesn't grab me. I don't go back and listen to Ever Since New York over and over again. That's, I mean, that... <laughs> I like that song a lot. I definitely don't want it to go anywhere, but I acknowledge that this is a difficult challenge because it, first of this all, one's hard. this is just a short album. Yeah. We have no extended tracks. I think he already made the cuts. Yeah. Look, there are some extended tracks that don't make this album that we should talk about because he does play them on the tour. Uh, and it. I don't, I, well, you've referenced a few of them. Like the song that he wrote for Ariana Grande, Just yeah. a Little Bit of Your Heart. I don't ever tell you Is great. Pretty, pretty great song. There's a song called Medicine. That he ends up playing on this tour a lot. And a song called Anna. Yeah, and those two songs actually just for when we're recording now, those two songs came out the day that there were those Harry Styles leaks and some old One Direction songs. That Are we leaked. allowed to listen to them? Well, I think people have heard them at least. Mm-hmm. I have different feelings on listening to a leaked version of the new Harry album versus old stuff that he already had an opportunity to choose how people heard what they heard and and it's not stepping on 
his choices over how he wants people to hear the new songs and how he wants the new album rollout to go. Right. I, I think that's a, that's an opportunity to support an artist through being a little bit restrained and saying, you know what, if it would be meaningful to Harry for people to wait a month so that Harry's house can come out in the way that he wants to, I think people should do that. There is a yeah. degree to which it's stolen art. I, I do think slightly differently about years old songs that he's already well, had that chance with. Medicine is a cult with. favorite, right? Well, right. And people already had a chance to, it's a little bit less like, and it's not that, look, money's probably coming out of somebody's pocket through that stuff being leaked one way or another, but it's also not to the same extent. And there's something about it that's just like very cool for something that is kind of a cult favorite to, for people to get to experience in a new way. And I I think it's fun to go back and, and hear those, those tracks. I think Medicine and Anna are really good. Yeah. The boys and the girls are in. I mess around with him and I'm okay with it. That sets some fire to parts of this fan base. Totally. Totally. And and he still plays it. He just played it at Coachella. It's a great song. I, I think I sort of get why those songs didn't make the album because frankly, they're a little bit, I they're a little One Direction-y. Uh, those are two tracks where in the way that they're a little bit like rocky and upbeat and and fun feel in some ways connected to like a Harry song off made in the AM. So I wonder if that's why they didn't get included here, but I'm into both of those songs. I mean, there are great songs that could have been on this album and and weren't clearly. You mean like, the unstoppable version of Girl Crush. <laughs> I was teeing you up for that. Yes. Why, why I know is how this you not feel on about that song? I want to drown myself in a bottle of This is the best. It's the best. It is. It, it just slays me. Only Harry could pull this off. It's you like favorite. fell in love to Harry Styles to this song, right? This is Yeah, this is the one that got me. It's really good. It's really, really good. He does and it I live would, sometimes. Yeah, but only rarely. And look, I want it to be on the album, but I, I sort of like that it's floating out there in the ether and you have to do a little bit of work to discover it. It's one of those ones that is like definitely for the fans. So I understand why he didn't put these on the album. And I think he made the right choice because it allowed him with a smaller set of songs to go out and play Stockholm Syndrome. And what makes you beautiful? And if I could fly. And for the band to play, of course, Fleetwood Mac's The Chain. But it's sort of, it was a very transitional set list in a lot of ways. And we totally. got to see we got to see those old songs done in a slightly different way. He got to 
hammer around on the guitar a little bit. And <laughs> he's a little bit behind Nile at this point in his, in his mastery of the instrument. But he is in a, another league in terms of his mastery of his vocal instrument. And that's really what carries it forward. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, it's short and sweet. This is a very digestible bit of content. And it, it's what makes the album, I think, really great. Well, so let's talk about some of the people who helped make it. Do you yeah. have a most important collaborator for me? I think it is the cocaine mule, uh, <laughs> Basker. But allegedly, allegedly, he's not allegedly. Come on, no, no. I, I think I think it's Basker because I think like, there's a lot of writers on every song, so these were group efforts, and we see that through the course of the documentary. But I, it, this is a hard leap for somebody to make. And this is a, this is a guy who, if you're going to knock one direction, you're going to say that even Made in the AM had a lot of contrived shit on it. That lyrically, you and I created a category called swooniest lyric and shittiest lyric because it you know, was pervasive. Those things were pervasive. And it wasn't easy to pick because we had a lot of things to choose from across the albums. In this case... He's taken this guy out lyrically of that environment altogether. I don't think there's a song on this album outside of maybe Kiwi and then maybe Woman that is sort of throwaway and not thoughtful. So it feels very, very authentic. And he had a great guide in doing that. And I think it's Jeff Basker. If I have a runner-up, it's Sarah Jones, his drummer. Woo! On drums and vocals, please make some noise for the wonderful Miss Because there is the nothing. Sarah Jones hive. There is nothing more badass than a female drummer. Lenny Kravitz did it. The White Stripes. Did it. There's tons, but like it's part of the vibe of that band on stage. Is her behind the drum kit, absolutely holding it down, and she Just does it crushing it. Yeah, she does it on on both of the tours. So I think uh, she sort of helped. It, listen, it's not easy to be a drummer for this stuff either, because you've got some huge rockers, you've got some more chill ballads, and you've got to sort of navigate the two. She's awesome. She crushes Kiwi. There's yeah. another reason for that. So she just absolutely owns. I like it. I like it. And so what do you Basker, think? I'm into it. I really kind of want to give this to the whole squad, which Basker definitely was the guiding force behind creating, right? Because he's the established guy. He's the one who's got this crazy career and and sort of gets tapped to spearhead this effort. There are a lot of people writing these songs, but it's all kind of the same people. So Tyler Johnson, who's a collaborator of Baskers, actually also worked on Red as a guitar engineer with Taylor. Um, Alex Saliban, who's another collaborator of, of Jeff Baskers. And then Ryan Nassi. Um, yeah. Well, so then Ryan Nassi, who's a composer and an engineer, whose roommate, Mitch Rowland, becomes right. Harry's guitar guy, one super buddy, but also guitarist who gets tapped to come in and, and play one day when a guitarist who was supposed to do a session with them bailed. Mitch is working at a pizza shop. Harry totally musically falls in love with him as a guitarist and this beautiful friendship and partnership is born. It felt like we kind of had each other to work out together, and that helped to have 
Someone who had no kind of preconceived notions about me or who I was or anything. And he's a legend. That's the group that they write with Harry on every track except Carolina, all of those guys write on, plus Kid Harpoon. And then Two Ghosts is Harry, Tyler Johnson, John Ryan, and Julian Bonetta, who we know so well. And then Sweet Creature is just Harry and Kid Harpoon who ends up having a bigger influence on some later stuff, but it's just on a couple things here. And then all of the tracks were produced by Jeff Basker, Alex Alban, Tyler Johnson, except for Caroline and Sweet Creature, which Kid Harpoon also worked on. So for the most part, everybody's doing the same stuff and they're all just, they're all in Jamaica, hanging out, spending every waking hour together away from the rest of their lives, just totally diving into this stuff. And so that's why I say it's just sort of that squad because that was never what Harry got to do. And it seems like he really, really relished the experience of being able to do that. You can totally see it in the documentary, the sort of concert documentary and making of thing that they did because this little musical cocoon that they built together seemed super important to him and did carry on. Make a butterfly. Right. Wow. That was beautiful. Thank you for that, Nathan. I got you. What's peak Harry? What is peak Harry? I mean... I I, I have like nine of them. Yeah, this is the thing. There isn't anything for me that jumps out here for me, it's it's that he worships Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac so much that he basically hires their manager and records in their studio. But the Jamaican and getaway... comes out and, and sings Landslide. Yes. And Leather and Lace with Stevie Nicks at the Troubadour when he does this like Promo super show. small secret concert and just absolutely flips out like if people haven't seen this go look it up on youtube he might be crying at one point and you can just see him you watch him he says it's the best night of his life you can watch him sort of purse his lips in ways where he's just trying to keep his jaw off the floor. Like he cannot believe that this is happening. And it is so cool to watch someone who's in that position still be so emotional and awestruck and be a fan that I think it really lets you into a little slice of his relationship with his fans because he just, you just know that he understands the feeling. I am uh... Losing my shit. In a cool way. I just think it's very cool. They also sound incredible. Nora Princiati studying pursed lips, everybody. <laughs> wow. Let that go. No. Never. Is that your P. Carry? It's not. I have a different okay. one. Oh, I was going to say, wow, one. we have a lot of overlap if that's the case. All right, bring it on. Tina! 
She's gay. Tina. She's gay. (laughs) He's in San Jose on tour. And a fan close to the front has this sign that says, I'm going to come out to my parents because of you. Right. And Harry stops. He asks her her name. He asks if he can read the sign. He asks her mom's name. Her mom's name is Tina. It turns out she's in a hotel a few miles away from where the show is. And Harry very funnily and lovingly just yells, Tina, she's gay. And the entire place eventually starts chanting this. And it is one of the most magical, wonderful, special concert moments that I've ever seen video of, heard of happening. It's such a, the nexus of his support for the LGBTQ community, the way that that's been such an important part of his career, of One Direction's career. And then also just the love for his fans and the connection that he has with the people who go to his shows and the the space that those shows are treat being people with such kindness. a just wonderful thing is totally P carry to me. It's it has so much to do with why he's not just an incredible performer, but an incredible celebrity, public figure, someone to root for, someone to sort of place your feelings and your your hopes and dreams into. And it's just the coolest thing. And we're talking so much about the ways in which he's a really throwbacky guy, but also the ways in which he's kind of avant-garde even. And a lot of the rockers that he idolizes and plucks so much from in terms of music, in terms of style, in terms of just loving them very much, a lot of that, a lot of that stuff, there was just never going to be a moment like like that at those shows. Yeah. So he starts every show with feel free to be whoever you want tonight. Please feel free to be whoever it is you'd like to be in this building this And there's something I think really wonderful about like even in music, one thing that I really respect that he does is he doesn't use like he has all these sort of old references in the songs but he uses cutting edge equipment. There's really no, like he might go get Joni's dulcimer and we'll talk about that later, but he's never using kind of like analog equipment because he just thinks we have really good machines now and they sound, they create stuff that sounds awesome. Hmm. Why would I, in the pursuit of sort of like an authenticity grab, use stuff that isn't state of the art when I have the opportunity to do it? And I think there's a really impressive track record of knowing when to go back in time and when to absolutely not do that. And I, I just, it's just one of my favorite Harry Styles moments of all time. He's a very interesting blend of old and new souls, isn't he? Totally. Speaking of which, are any of these songs about Taylor Swift? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah, they are. So, We've been saving this category. <laughs> um, you know they are. Well, there's a fairly clear allegory in, in two ghosts to uh, style. I was hoping you were going right? to tell me it was the it was Kiwi that the Putin baby song is is about. Stop Taylor. it. Okay. 
No more Putin baby for you. Let's talk about two ghosts. If you just strip all the words away, you'd go, this is the almonds, Melissa. We said that already. But if you listen to the words, Nora, and you think about the time period in which this was written, he wrote it for Made in the AM. So the chronology works in what we know to be from the relationship. There are some hat tips to the song style here, aren't there? You got them long hair, slick back, white t-shirt, and I got that good girl and little skirt. Same lips red, same eyes blue, same white shirt, couple more tattoos. Same lips red, same eyes blue, same white shirt, couple more tattoos. Pretty good. Pretty good. There's also that subtle reference to refrigerator light. Refrigerator light. Fridge light washes this room white. From all too well. I guess he does know what a refrigerator is. We'd wondered. It turns out. It's Maybe Taylor taught him. Hard. It's hard to think this is not about Taylor Swift. I mean, there is no chance that this isn't intended to make you think that it is about Taylor Swift. Right? And, and that's Harry the question. Be, is he that coy? I think he is. Yeah. Because Harry can be totally demure and act like he's completely uninterested in talking about this stuff, but he also knows when to be sort of cheeky about it. Mm. He's entirely capable of doing that. I mean... Well, I see we're using the word cheeky. <laughs> I think he, there's just... It's just so on the nose. Now, there's there is the Larry contingent that thinks that that is an effort to mask the fact that this is actually a song about Louis, mm. but... The reference, I would say, is fairly transparent. He seems to give lots of winks and nods in the interviews about this. He seems very happy for you to believe. Not just that it's hard to think it was, but he seems very happy for you to believe that this is about Taylor Swift. And he seems very happy for you to believe that, well, of course, this is about Taylor Swift, but, oh, Harry doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah. Are we sure that this is the only one? But this is the only one about about Taylor? Yeah. I mean, look, I, mean, I hope so. We got a three months. It's time to move on, Harry. <laughs> I think... And Harry has moved on, to be clear. Harry's got plenty of subject uh, Yeah, material. he also, uh, for what it's worth, um, when he guest hosted The Late Late Show, uh, chose to eat cod sperm instead of telling Kendall Jenner which songs were about her. Which songs on your last album were about me? <laughs> so. Yeah, who, who wouldn't? I don't know. Probably some people. Yeah. Fair enough. It's probably some people who would wind up on the other side of Do of you that, not think Sweet Creatures choice. about Kendall Jenner? We're still young. We don't know where we're going, but we know we belong. I actually have never really read it through that lens. This mm. is the first time I'm considering this. Okay. I, I, 
I've heard that angle for only Angel just because of the Victoria's Secret stuff. Yeah. Um, there's clearly, you know, there's a woman in a bunch of these songs and, and Meet Me in the Hallway, certainly in Only Angel. Certainly in the song Woman. <laughs> right. That if you just use the timeline, yeah. she is a pretty good candidate. From the dining table, too. Comfortable silence is so overrated. Why won't you ever say what you want to say? Right. It, it never totally feels like... Like, those are the places where there's nothing quite so on the nose as yep. there is in Two Ghosts. Yeah, I agree. We're speculating. But I don't feel like we're speculating on Two Ghosts. This one is right down the lane. This one is to Taylor Swift as style is to Harry Styles. Well, and she'd already done style, right? So I think there's something about it where he does care a lot about preserving this air of mystery. But people already knew. So it gave him kind of license to just go, go have fun with it. By the way, he also, he does it as Bob Dylan in the dock where they're kind of just fooling around there in Jamaica. And right. he does a, he does a pretty solid Dylan. He does. I'm not even used to be. These two girls That makes no sense. <laughs> This guy should be an actor someday. Ha. Maybe even inject himself into the Marvel universe. We'll see. Um, did anything happen on March 25th? I mean, we know what happened with the other guys. Liam announces his Putin baby with Cheryl. <laughs> it's not a Putin baby. It's not a Putin baby. No, his actual baby with Cheryl. Louis wishes his, you know, sends a tweet wishing his mother who passed away happy birthday, which is all very sweet. So there's some real sweetness and wonderfulness coupled with some sadness that happens on this March 25th. But you tell me. Well, a little teaser for Sign of the Times started kind of floating around the interwebs. Oh, it did? Yeah. And I believe Harry, because um, it gets announced on the 31st, which is the Prince anniversary. Right. Actually gets released, I believe, April 7th. Okay. But a few days before it was getting out there, and then Harry pulls a tailor, puts three white squares on his Instagram grid. Oh, boy. So there's stuff going on. Okay, there are things happening. Nora, are, do we do who won the album when we do the solo things? Harry won the album. Harry won the who album. Who won the album? The ballads win the album for me. The ballads really win the album. I understand the rockers are fun and they've got to be there to carry an arena show. But for me, this album is about the ballads and the maturation process of his songwriting that comes through in the ballads. It doesn't come through so much in the rockers because they're sort of built to be fun and, you know, the, the rightful inheritors of the fun party songs of One Direction. It's the ballads where you're like, holy shit, this isn't just a voice. This is a songwriter. I'm with you. I got to say, I listen to Carolina quite a bit. And? I, well, just it's that's an enduring... I. I Okay. I okay, agree so, with your top line point, but there are yeah. some enduring rockers from this album for me. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So, so and you if I say, think about this this album, one of the first things that I'm thinking about is the like la 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 thing at the end there. La 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 la
Yeah, fair enough. Do we have swoony lyrics on this? We have swoony lyrics. We also just have some great lyrics. Like this I really want to talk about because it, it just is that is that progression from the One Direction stuff that was not necessarily like, I, I'm not sort of offering this necessarily as a critique that it was all generalized. It, it just was automatically diluted because there were multiple of them. We were not hearing from Harry Styles. And I think one of the ways in which this album is incredibly successful is how it allows us to hear from Harry Styles in a way that sounds very real, very believable, very true, very intimate and vulnerable to me. So I'm going to shout out two things that don't necessarily fit that mold, but I still think are just great bars. And then I'm going to give you my real answer because I don't want this podcast to end without, first of all, acknowledging that on Carolina, I met her once and wrote a song about her. It's just like such a flex and I love it. I met her once and wrote a song about her. I want to scream, yeah, I want to shout it out. (laughs) And then also, for everything that I've said about Kiwi just being absurd. Yes. Holland Tunnel for a nose. Yeah. Holland Tunnel for a nose is always backed up. Is my favorite cocaine reference of all time. (laughs) I didn't know that needed to be a category but it is the best musical cocaine reference in our, our world's history. What? That's a strong statement. I know. There have Ms. been Princiati. quite a few of them. There have been quite a few of them. Jeez. All so right. They, that's That would be a good draft idea. I, I really did not expect all of the drug references through the course of this, but you probably didn't expect I mean, we didn't even the- talk about morphine, which is all over this. Yeah. Yeah. It's right in the beginning. Harold, go to your room. I have one problem across the lyrical canon of this album, and it's from Hey Angel. I I just can't get on board with the lyric, I'm just happy getting you stuck in between my teeth. I'm just happy getting you stuck in between my teeth And there's nothing I can do about it <laughs> That's gross. That's gross. I tried to get there. Be like, oh, well, that's unique at least. It's not like cliche and been done before, but it's gross. We don't need that. I'm going to ask a question that I'm really scared to ask. Don't do do it. Do you feel like you know what that means? Yes. Okay, I just got it. Yes, Um, there we go. Fair, fair, fair. Right? Nora. (laughs) All right, what's your favorite lyric? We have to move on. Sorry, sorry to lead you down that path, but like, it's just wrong. No, I, I can't think... That, I, I, my job is shittiest lyric. Your job is favorite lyric. And I just delivered. And so did you, I think. Uh, no, I, I, can, I can actually deliver even further. I think the best lyrics on this album are in From the Dining Table. Okay. And- Kudos to Harry for the masturbation reference, but really, we haven't spoke since you went away. Comfortable silence is so overrated. Why won't you ever be the first one to break? Even my phone misses your call. Comfortable silence is so overrated. Why won't you ever be the first one to break? 
Yeah, I love that. I'm into it. I'm real into it. Well, as we say, that's one of the best songs on the album. And I do think lyrically it's gorgeous and sung with the lineage of Jeff Buckley. It's a very special, very special composition. Nora, I'm just happy getting you to grade this thing. A minus. Oh, we agree. This is we're, really... We're in lockstep. This is like we, never happened. The Venn diagram, the two circles are almost one circle. Complete overlap. We really see eye to eye on this Herald album. Well, it feels good. You, it, yeah, it, it does listen, feel good. It, it feels like unity and harmony on the day of Harry, April 15th. On tax day, day Harry, Harry Day. Yes. Great job by us. Great job by us. Yeah, I, I think it's a really strong, really consistent album. There's very little that I dislike here. Almost nothing that I dislike. I, I think he gets to higher highs eventually. So one, just want to leave some some room to grow here. No doubt. Also, there are songs that like compel me without sort of deeply moving me. Like I, I think that is sort of the case with yeah. Sign of the times. Yeah, agree. And so there's some space there between maybe like a perfect A++++ album. But overall, there's a lot that I like to go back to here. And particularly, I admire the deftness with how this album establishes who Harry Styles is post One Direction while acknowledging the lineage in a way that, you know, it's true for some people and you want people to be true to themselves and how they express themselves. But there's something very refreshing about someone saying, no, my past I'm proud of. And and this is also stuff that I enjoyed doing and got a lot out of. Now, there were some things that I didn't like about it that I want to change how we're working and how we're doing this. And I want to go to Jamaica and do it differently and work with the same people and really ruminate on it. But I I appreciate how much of a a bridge it was for Harry to be able to go sort of be the Harry Styles that he wanted to be without feeling like he had to dismiss what had come before. And that is the vibe that he invites his entire audience to participate in, which is let's be comfortable with who we are, where we came from and where we are now. It's okay. And I think that is at the core, that fundamental compelling attraction of this human being and why he was able to make the leap and create what so far is our highest rated album in this series, Nora. Wow. Wonder what'll happen next. This has been every single album, Harry Styles. I'm Nora Princiati. He's Nathan Hubbard. We will be back on Monday with another member of the band making his solo debut when we talk about Niall Horan's Flicker. He's coming on the pod? <laughs> no. Oh. He is? What do you know? It's just us. It's just going to be us. Thank you, as always, to super producer Kaya McMullen for production on this episode, and we'll talk to you all soon. 